If you're a diehard fight fan and you've been looking for like-minded diehard fight fans, welcome to the family. This is Coster's Cage, giving fans insight and analysis and featuring guest appearances from the UFC's biggest stars, past and present, as well as the very latest UFC news. This is Coster's Cage, and here's your host, Dan Coster. Episode 21 of Coster's Cage. I am back after a little break. I know a while back I said I would recap UFC 268. I was in the building that night, Colby versus Usman. I was at the press conference. That was also hilarious and awesome to be at. I was in MSG, obviously, for UFC 268. Just what an incredible experience. I mean, what an experience. I felt like I was dreaming. I wasn't even on earth. That whole night was just insane. The crowd was crazy. Sick finishes, some sick debuts, title fights galore. It was unbelievable. Obviously, I did not recap it because it was kind of hard seeing seeing what lands, what doesn't, remembering some things. It was a long night. Didn't get home till like 7 in the morning or something. Uh, it was a very long night. It was a crazy night. It was unbelievable. If you have not gone to a UFC event, you have to. Probably a pay-per-view, too. You have to go to a UFC pay-per-view with title fight. There's nothing like it. Obviously, the Mecca is just unbelievable unbelievable to be at. I mean, that was probably a top three sporting event I've ever been to. It was just unbelievable. But like I said, I didn't recap it because by the time I got you know my wits together... It was old news. It was like Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm like, I'm I'm not going through this again. UFC 269, the current news, happened a few hours ago. Last pay-per-view of the year. Let's kick it off. You know how we do it. Starting from the early prelims to the main card. Every fight. Let's go. Jillian Robertson versus Priscilla Cachiwera. And Jillian Robertson coming into this one at like minus 300. Big favorite. Needed to get this fight to the ground, and she did. Priscilla Cachuera has no ground game. She's really not good at anything, if I'm being honest with you. Jillian gets the choke with a second left in round one. Priscilla Cachuera comes in overweight to try and probably stop the ground game and and stop the wrestling of Jillian. Probably comes in overweight on purpose. Then as she's in the choke, she's trying to gauge out Jillian Robinson's eye multiple times. Just a scum, scumbag move. I mean, you can cut Priscilla Cachoeira for all I care. Missing weight, trying to, I mean, clear as day, trying to gauze your eye out. She's not really talented. Like, see you later. We could move on without you. That irked a lot of people. Congrats to Jillian on the win. Next fight, Tony Kelly versus Randy Costa. Costa is a super fast starter normally. And going into this one, he said he wants to be more measured in his approach. And you saw that. And he was a little too measured and a little too patient in his approach. Because Tony Kelly... Constant pressure in this one. Kelly threw 152 more total strikes. Costa is still a good raw prospect, and he's still figuring things out on the fly, which is obviously not easy to do at the UFC level. But he could not withstand Tony Kelly's brutal elbows on the ground, and he gets finished in round two. Tony Kelly, man, just constant pressure in his face all fight long. It's a good game plan from Tony Kelly because you can't. We saw what Randy Costa did to Adrian Giannis for about a round and a half, and then he gassed out. Randy Costa has to work on the gas tank. Randy Costa will pick you apart if, you, if you're in range with him. Tony Kelly knew better. Get inside of him. Just muddy it up, man. It was a grimy, dirty fight, and Tony Kelly did exactly what he needed to do. Derek Minner versus Ryan Hall. 
Ryan Hall, we knew this guy wants to roll around on the ground. And Derek Minner, that's kind of his MO too, wrestling in his ground game. But you're not going to outroll Ryan Hall. And he tried to. Derek Minner tried to. James Cross was going nuts in the corner of Derek Minner, telling him to get up, stop playing with him down there on the ground. Minner not really listening, didn't show the best fight IQ, suffers the loss here. But props to Minner, I guess, in this instance for not getting submitted, where a lot of guys would have been subbed if they were rolling around down there on the mat with Ryan Hall. But Ryan Hall gets the win. He bounces back after getting KO'd by Taporia. Next fight, a women's flyweight duel between two young, interesting prospects, Miranda Maverick and Aaron Blanchfield. And Aaron Blanchfield with just a dominating, suffocating, amazing performance. Seven takedowns, 12 minutes of control time. This girl is otherworldly on the ground at just 22 years of age. 22 years of age. She's going to be around for a very long time. And Miranda Maverick should be okay long-term, too. This isn't going to look bad, you know, on her record in a few years because Aaron Blanchfield's a stud. She is an absolute stud on the ground. Has a BJJ black belt at 22. That's unheard of. She was the underdog in this fight. Aaron Blanchfield was. I picked her, obviously, for the ground game. She's not going to be the underdog in uh, many more upcoming fights. I can promise you that. She has a sky-high future, man. Next fight, Andre Muniz versus Eric Anders. I thought Anders would be successful at sprawling and brawling here, but Muniz is just different with his jits, man. Another armbar off a beautiful time takedown from Muniz. He would have snapped Anders' arm like he did Jacare's last fight if Anders did not tap. And I still don't think Muniz is great on the feet. His striking is pretty suspect, but he's he's timing his takedowns perfectly. I don't think he's that good of a wrestler either, to be honest. His jiu-jitsu is just absurd. I mean... He'll probably be ranked after this one, and I'm interesting to see who he gets next because if he gets a striker, I think he could be in kind of some some deep crap, so we'll see. Next fight, Jordan Wright versus Bruno Silva. This one was going to be violent. Violent it was a while ago on this podcast when, J- when Jordan Wright beat Jamie Pickett. He was getting so much love, and I was like, guys, calm down. He beat a guy who, no offense to Jamie Pickett, but he's not UFC caliber. He beat nothing but cans in his career and has been brutally KO'd multiple times. And tonight versus Bruno Silva was no different. Pretty awful matchup for Jordan Wright with Bruno Silva's power coming back at him. Wright had me worried a little. You know, he hit Bruno with some good shots. But if you're Jordan Wright, you cannot get involved in a firefight. I mean, Jordan Wright has a glass chin. He leaves his chin sky high when when he's rushing in, throwing punches. Bruno Silva clips him, knocks him down. Jordan Wright did a little stanky leg. It was not pretty. Bruno Silva is now 3-0 to start his UFC career with three KOs. I'm not even sold on him that much, to be honest with you. His ground game is pretty bad, but he does have the death touch, though. 19 of his 22 wins come by knockout. That is just absurd power. Next fight involves a lot of meat. Tied to Ivasa versus Augusto Sakai. I'm not a Sakai guy by any means of the imagination, but he's fought the better competition. I thought he'd be able to kind of stick and move to a decision here versus Tied to Ivasa, but he gets absolutely folded by Tu Ivasa here. Brutal KO. I mean, Sakai couldn't even get up. Took him like 10 minutes to get to the stool. Sakai has now lost three in a row via KO. Tu Ivasa has won four in a row, all by KO now. And the Shoeys were rolling. Tai's a fun fighter. He's probably going to be ranked after this. I mean, I don't know why the security's trying to, like, stop Tuivasa from doing shoeys and stuff. Kind of, like, let the guy have a beer or two or three or four or five. Pedro Munoz versus Dom Cruz. Munoz rocks Dom Cruz pretty good in round one. 
gets a knockdown and was damn close to getting Dom out of there. But Dom Cruz recovers, and he looks like vintage Dom Cruz here. Rounds two and three, Dom turned it on. Threw 100 more strikes than Munoz in this fight and was just throwing and moving, man. Throwing and moving. Vintage Dom Cruz. Pedro just couldn't hit him after round one. Simple as that. Pedro Munoz has fought studs, but he's now lost four out of his last five with that lone win coming against Jimmy Rivera, who is no longer in the promotion. So, you know, it's interesting where Pedro goes after this one, but nice win for Dom Cruz after everything going on with him calling out Cormier, which, by the way, you didn't have to say that, Dom Cruz. Like, what'd you gain out of that? I just, I don't understand. But with that being said, he gets the win. Next up, Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige. Josh Emmett coming off the long layoff during the week and his pressers. He was almost tearing up. In fact, he was leading into this fight in interviews talking about how difficult last year was for him, you know, coming off the knee surgery, deaths in the family, and Emmett did not waste any time getting going in this one. Drops Ige with about a minute into round one for an early knockdown, making it seven fights in a row with a knockdown for Josh Emmett. Just unreal power at 145. He might have the most power in the division. I mean, he is just so powerful in there. He looked absolutely ginormous in there. I mean, he had to be 170, 165, if not more. He looked huge compared to Ige in there. Huge. Looked like two different weight classes. Round one, like I said, obviously went to Emmett because of the knockdown. Round two, Ige was kind of not touching him up, but way more efficient with his strikes. Looking much better. Looking like Danny Ige. And Emmett was kind of just standing there looking for the big power shot. Didn't really throw any volume. Didn't really throw any combinations. Round two, I thought went to Ige. Round three could have been anybody's round. I probably would have given it to Emmett just based off, you know, him landing the harder stuff. But, I mean, really could have went 29-28 either way. One judge somehow had it 30-27 Emmett. That just makes zero sense to me. I don't know how you could watch that fight. Say Josh Emmett won round two. I mean, the guy just stood there. Josh Emmett, big, big bounce back win after, you know, the long layoff. Ige suffers the loss. I don't know what you do with Dan Ige. He's kind of coming... He's kind of becoming a gatekeeper, with all due respect. I don't mean that in a mean way, but, you know, he suffers the loss to Cater. He suffers the loss to Korean Zombie. He's obviously not top five caliber. Is he, like, top eight caliber? I don't think so. Is he, like, top 10, top 15 caliber? Probably, but, you know, he beat Edson Barboza, which I think he lost that fight. A lot of people think that, so... I don't know if he's top 10 worthy, top 15 maybe, gatekeeper. That's kind of why that's coming into my head right now, but that's just my thoughts on you, guy. On to the pay-per-view we go. The Sugar Show versus Rahali and Paiva. Now, yes, Paiva is not a total can, but Paiva, I thought, lost a few of his previous fights that he won. I think Paiva's best attribute is probably his durability, and we saw that didn't really matter versus O'Malley. Paiva was just 11 of 47 on his strike. So Mally caught him and rocked him hard. Followed it up with a sweet body shot. Then came up top again. It was a really sweet KO for the Sugar Show. But, I mean, just like after any Sean O'Malley fight, it's time for a step up in competition. Like, yes, Holly and Paiva is a step up, I guess, from your Thomas Almeidas and your Chris Moutinho's of the world. But it's time for a ranked guy. You're going to be probably ranked after this one. You can't be ranked and be fighting UFC debuters, okay? That cannot happen anymore. It's time to fight a ranked guy. I've said this plenty of times. I still got my issues with O'Malley. The durability. I mean, a few a few leg kicks and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. 
the wrestling. He's never been tested there. We know how stacked Bantamweight is with the wrestlers. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy for him to climb the ranks. I'll tell you that right now. But impressive performance, to say the least. Obviously, you know, he's minus 300, minus 400, whatever he is. He should knock out Paiva. He should knock him out if he's, you know, the unranked champ and all this. But, yeah, that's that's really all I got to say about O'Malley. I mean, he didn't really do anything that was surprising. He kind of answered everything that we expected, a first-round knockout or a finish, and he put on a show. Credit to him, man. And, you know, I don't blame him for not taking – hard fights let me say you know he's making his money he's making bank he's a huge name it's easy paydays for him power to him man you know I, what's the point what's the point of taking a tough ass fight losing perhaps maybe losing some steam the naysayers come on you get all the easy fights as you can i'm not gonna hate on them but it's time for a ranked fight it is time for a ranked fight Next fight, Kai Kara France versus Cody Garbrandt. I picked Cody here just based off his pedigree. I know the chin was going to be worrisome. The weight cut was obviously worrisome. Did I feel good about picking Cody? No, absolutely not. I thought he looked okay on the scales. I mean, yes, he looked like a skeleton, but like he looked as good as I think you could for Cody Garbrandt at 125. But, man, that chin is just totally gone now. Kai Kara drops him, and Cody is just surviving Cody stands up and he's like, come on, bring it, waving him on. It's like, dude, what are you doing? It's like Cody does this. Obviously, Cody's done this in the past. You know, he drops guys. He's pointing at him. Like, dude, finish the fight. If you drop a guy, what are you pointing at him for? It's just stuff like that that just annoys the hell out of me. And then, obviously, Cody gets dropped again. He got dropped twice. He basically got starched by Kai Kara France in round one. I mean... After dropping down, what do you do with Cody Garbrandt now? You know, what do you do with Cody Garbrandt? He gets, like I just said, starched in round one by Kai Kara France. You know, 135 is not the move. 125 doesn't seem to be the move. His career is kind of in no man's land right now. He's obviously not going to be a champ anytime soon or in champ talks anytime soon. I don't know what you do with Cody. And Dana said in the presser after the fights, you know, we got to think about it. And he basically said... You know, he's taking some damage, man. You know, we know that. Dana seemed a little concerned about the chin. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with him. But huge win for Kaikara France. Statement win. Resume building win. Puts him basically in flyweight contention now, obviously. I mean, one more win and he could be next. Kaikara said that he wasn't going to fight again unless it was for the title. I mean, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to fight again. I mean, Cody Garbrandt, that chin is just totally gone totally gone i don't i don't see how anybody could bet cody garbrandt for the for the remaining future of his career i mean that chin is just gone i know i joke a lot about you know chins weak chins and all that but we saw it later in the night when we'll get to it you know cardio and just having durability is just attributes that are just they they take you so far in ufc fights in your career you know i mean if you have a glass chin you're not going anywhere Simple as that. Jeff Neal versus Santiago Panzanibio. I don't have much to say here other than Neal was much more efficient with his strikes. And how many times did Mark Smith say, Oh, fingers up, guys. Fingers up. Fingers up. Fingers up. Fingers. Fingers. I mean, it must have been 15 times that he he warned both of them. I, uh, it's kind of annoying. Like, Should he have taken a point away? No, but like, I mean, 
that was the whole fight. Just fingers, fingers, fingers. Monster win for Jeff Neal when you consider the skid he was on. The DUI he got on Thanksgiving. I mean, if he loses this fight, maybe he's cut. Big win for him picking this one up. His first ranked UFC win. Huge win. Not only in the career, the fight career of Jeff Neal, the personal career as well. Big win for Jeff Neal. Now let me gather my thoughts. Kind of chill out here for a second. Co-main event, Amanda the Lioness Nunez versus Juliana Pena. Let me take a deep breath here. Now, I'm not the only one that got screwed here on DraftKings, right? We all had Amanda Nunez, yada, yada, yada. Like, somebody out there lost 300 k on Amanda Nunez. Just thank God I'm not that guy. All week, everyone is looking at Juliana Pena like, shut up already. What are you talking about? What are you saying? You're not impressed with Amanda Nunez, blah, 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 blah. She's ducking me, this and that. And you know what? Sometimes you have to have that ignorant confidence about yourself. And some people have it. Some people don't. Most fighters have it, right? Juliana Pena is not winning that fight if she doesn't believe in herself. Simple as that. We know that. But it's easier said than done sometimes. If you don't have confidence, you won't be successful in anything you do. That's just cost of cage life lesson number one, okay? Juliana Pena has that ignorant confidence where she believes she could do anything and anything, especially in fighting. And in MMA... You have to have that. You have to walk the walk. You have to talk the talk. But you have to believe. And Juliana Pena believed. She believed more than Amanda Nunez. And I'll talk about the heart and determination and the dog of Pena. Obviously, she had more of that. <laughs> more heart, more guts, more everything than Amanda Nunez. I'll talk about that in a second. But let's just start with the fight. I mean, Amanda seemed in control round one. Leg kicks, attacking the leg. I don't know why she didn't attack the leg more. I mean... I don't want to say she dropped Pena, but she kind of slipped after a leg kick. I mean, I don't know why she didn't go back to the well with that. Round round one, you know, Amanda's in control. Pena was causing semi-trouble on the ground, just holding onto an arm. Like, the the commentator said, you know, oh, Amanda has to defend this. There's, you know, like, like, okay, whatever. Like, Amanda was in control. Like, nothing crazy. Like, obviously, Amanda, 10-9, round one, but... Pena was a little concerned for some reason going back to her corner. Like, oh, she was going for my neck, blah, 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 blah. And her coach was like, it's fine, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's perfect. We want her to grapple. We want her to tie her out, basically. Pena comes out in round two and is just exchanging with Amanda. I don't even know how to describe it. They're each exchanging bombs, pretty much. Did not look like a title fight, I'll tell you that. Was not like world-class exchanges. They're just swinging like like heavyweights. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I... I just absurd. I mean, they're each getting rocked. They're each getting hit hard. And and Amanda Nunez is just gassed. She's gassed after six minutes, five minutes of this fight. She's completely gassed. She's gassed. She's absolutely gassed. I mean, I couldn't believe it. There was just no game plan from Nunez. I'm sitting there watching, just expecting for Amanda to clip her and put her out with, you know, one of these one of these shots, and it just never happened. Juliana Pena did what she needed to do. She needed to make it ugly. Obviously, she prevailed here. It almost seems like a video game where, like, you create your, your my player or something and they win the championship. And it's like, let's say for basketball references, you know, you make your my player in 2K and you're on the Knicks and you win the championship with the Knicks. And it's just like, oh, my God, the Knicks won. Like, this is never going to happen. I mean, for Juliana Pena to grab that belt, like, put it around her way, it's just like, what? It doesn't even make sense. I mean, Amanda Nunez was so 
aghast. It was it was almost comedy. Juliana Pena's jab, I guess, was the was the biggest part of this fight. Kind of just just touching Amanda Nunez up with it, and it looked like she was wobbling Amanda Nunez with the jab because Amanda Nunez was that tired. I, I mean, I I just can't I can't believe I am saying these words right now. Juliana Pena got into a brawl with Amanda Nunez and won said brawl. She outstruck Amanda Nunez. I can't comprehend what I'm saying. I can't comprehend what I saw. I, I mean, <laughs> it's just absurd. It is absurd. Amanda Nunez got tired from three minutes of grappling. Three minutes of grappling. She was gassed after five minutes of round one. She was gassed. She was gassed. All the credit in the world to Juliana Pena for being a bulldog in this fight and giving you know Amanda some adversity and making her tired. Pena was not scared. She never backed away. Kept throwing shots at Nunez. Each of them made some big shots, too. And then, I I don't even remember. I think Pena just goes for a takedown. Amanda just f- gives it up. She's just on her knees, gives up her back instantly. Juliana Pena barely, I mean, barely has the arm on her chin, it looked like. It definitely wasn't on her neck. And Amanda taps instantly. Instantly. I thought Jan Blahovich tapped quick versus Glover Teixeira. Amanda Nunez couldn't have tapped quicker. Quicker. It was unbelievable. No hooks in for the choke. Gives up her back. She just tapped so quick. Didn't even try to fight it off, by the way. Just unbelievable. Amanda Nunez just flat out quit in there. She flat out quit. Like I said, incredible job by Juliana Pena, you know. Not taking anything away from her. But what the hell was that from Amanda Nunez? I mean, honestly, it was pretty pathetic. Like, uh, what the hell was that? Bad fight IQ. You're exchanging like that, like a, like a, like a heavyweight. Like I said, like a low level heavyweight. You're gassed. You're just slinging and exchanging. It wasn't really working. You're tired as hell. To just engage like that from, and and just be so reckless and see Amanda Nunez do that. It's just it's unbelievable. It, it really is unbelievable. Now I know people are like, oh, she, you know, she threw the fight. She she threw the fight. <laughs> obviously I don't think she threw the fight like why would she do that to her legacy because in my opinion this has to affect her legacy in some aspects like yes yeah, some people are still going to think she's the goat and obviously she could come back from this and you know knock Juliana Pena out next fight and whatnot but I mean it has to be a little wart on on the resume of Amanda Nunez in some aspects because what happens if Kayla Harrison comes in here you know to the UFC and just doesn't lose you know what if like she's not going to be the goat then so for her to, like, come on, she did not throw the fight, but I I understand where you're coming from because for Amanda Nunez to get up and smile like nothing happened and then to wish everybody a happy holiday and a freaking happy new year, it's just very, very bizarre. Very bizarre. You don't see that from quote-unquote goats. You know, like, yeah, it was pure class. Like, yeah, it was classy. She went out classy, but come on. If you don't think that was bizarre... I don't know what to tell you. That was absolutely the most bizarre thing I think I've ever seen. And maybe in sports. She loses a championship fight. She gets up, isn't mad, isn't depressed. She's like more happy than if she were to win. And she's wishing the crowd Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I I don't know what to say. I, I just don't know what to say. I, I just I just can't get over it. Pena said in the presser that, you know how she was ducking me? She really was. She gave her reasonings. I'll mention two of them here. Pena said in the press conference, she was asked to coach the ultimate fighter with Nunez, and Amanda said no, basically. And then, this might come back to the cardio thing, you know, was it COVID? 
Nunez had COVID? Was it not training? That seems to be the big rumor out there that Amanda Nunez was not training for this fight or as hard as she should have been. Juliana Pena said she heard multiple times out of her camp that Amanda Nunez was not in the gym. She wasn't training. And if that's the case, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, could it be motherhood that changed you like that? You know, like just more more time not available in the gym. I thought it was interesting, you know, lead up to the fight. They're showing like the highlights or whatever of like everybody training in the gym. And Amanda Nunez is in the gym with her baby in the crib, like doing sit-ups. So like when I heard Pena say that, I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. Obviously Nina Ansaroff or Nina Nunez is her, her wife. Like, they're both training, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I'm i just trying to come up with reasoning. I guess there isn't any. Clearly, I guess Amanda Nunez was not in the gym. Obviously, we've seen her go five rounds multiple times at 145. And, you know, maybe the weight cut at 135 really killed her. But, I <laughs> I mean, she was, yeah, I mean, we've seen her go 25 minutes easy. And for her to just be so gassed. After three rounds, of, three minutes of grappling, and like five minutes overall in the fight, it's just—I don't even—it's—it's uh, it's, you can't comprehend it. You just can't comprehend it. And it really bugged me for Amanda Nunes just to say happy holidays to everybody after she lost. Like she did not care. She just did not care. Now Kayla Harrison and Amanda Nunes—you know—I thought that could happen potentially early next year if Kayla Harrison signed with the UFC, but that does not look like it's going to happen at least right away. Obviously, we'll see if even Harrison signs with the UFC. Nunez is going to rematch Juliana Pena, and those odds have already come out. Amanda Nunez goes from a minus 1,000 favorite to minus 330 in the rematch for Nunez, plus 270 for Juliana Pena. Man, oh man, is that rematch going to be interesting. I think I covered everything I want to here. I'm sure I missed something. You know, I, I just, all in all, man, I just cannot believe, like everybody else, what the hell I saw. Amanda Nunez quit. She gassed out. She didn't want it. Juliana Pena didn't gas out. She wanted it more. She won a striking battle with Amanda Nunez. A lot of heart, a lot of guts, a lot of dog in her. Another little nugget to add here. Dana said in his post-fight press conference that Mike Kiesa had a little too much to drink and he fell and cut his face. But I don't think he cut his face. I didn't see any blood in the videos or pictures or whatnot. And he wanted to get into the octagon to celebrate with Pena because he was his teammate. He was her teammate. Yeah, pretty interesting nugget there, I guess. I mean, pretty embarrassing if you're Kiesa. Like, there was that video kind of going viral of him jumping over, like, the barricade where all the fighters sit in the crowd and just like running around like he lost his mind like i don't know just you, you can't be doing that man main event time there's always something so crazy that's not in the main event and then we when we get to the main event it's just like the main event kind of loses its lust does anybody else feel that it kind of loses its power as crazy as it as crazy as that might sound after the nunez fight i was just i was out of it i was like done to be honest with you i was done. i was still pumped obviously to watch Olives and Dustin, but I was just I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Here we are, Olives and Dustin. Charles Oliveira, I chose him here because it would hit the ground at some point, man. It's just if this thing was going twenty five minutes, it just had to hit the ground. Even if it was going 10, 15 minutes, it had to hit the ground at some point. And if that were to ever happen, man, Olives would just show out and he did when it did hit the ground in round two. And plus you got dog money on the champ. I mean, that's just crazy in my opinion where Oliveira kind of has more ways to win 
Dustin, in my opinion, was only the favorite because he beat Connor twice. Like, yeah, those are good wins, but like everybody kind of knows where I stand on Connor right now. I <laughs> he's not top five, not top seven, maybe top ten worthy. I mean, I don't think Connor, depending on who he faces, I don't. I mean, he's. I'm not getting into Connor right now, but Dustin was only the favorite because he only beat Connor McGregor. That is my opinion. And what would what what would Charles Oliveira do to to Connor McGregor? <laughs> not be pretty, I'll tell you that. Round one, crazy pace here, man. Poirier drops Olives. But just like the Michael Chandler fight, Olives can take shots, doesn't fall, doesn't quit like back in the day. That narrative could be now put to bed, put to rest. He just keeps walking through the shots. Dustin landed 54 strikes in round one. Olives, 48. The pace was just absurd. Monster round two for Oliveira. Two judges had a 10-8 for Olives. Everyone asking why Dustin is just in the close guard of Oliveira, eating monster elbows. And Dustin said he'd rather lose the round than lose the fight, which makes total sense to me. Like, I, I can't blame him for that. Like, you don't want to give up your back to Oliveira. Makes total sense. But he did pay the price for it. Now, before Olives got on top, it looked like his hand was inside Dustin's glove. It did look like that. I don't know how the ref didn't see that. I just, I don't really know what else to say about it. It did look like the hand was in the glove, preventing Dustin from, you know, getting his arm back. Round three comes. Oliveira comes out, out takes the back. One, two, three, standing rear naked choke. I mean, Oliveira is just absurd. Absurd. He's standing with Dustin and hanging in there and just taking some damage, man. It's not like he got destroyed in that round. Like, yeah, he got dropped. But if he's walking through shots of Chandler, Dustin, and he's not getting put out, uh, <laughs> good luck, Justin Gaethje, because obviously Gaethje has, has, has the power. He's the power to knock anybody out. But that is pretty, pretty, pretty discouraging if you're Justin Gaethje, in my opinion. The guy has come back. In back-to-back title fights, and and he's done it with a knockout and a sub. The guy's dangerous everywhere. He's unbelievable. You know, it's unbelievable to see his growth from where he's come from. Basically, quitting versus Paul Felder, ten ten wins in a row. Uh, he defends the belt. Just incredible, incredible, incredible. Olives will fight Justin Gaethje next, it seems, and those betting lines are out. Olives is minus two oh five. Gaethje plus one seventy five. I think that's pretty right. I think that's pretty accurate. This sport, man, is just unbelievable theater. I watch every. I watch a ton of sports: basketball, football, NBA, college hoops, college football. All this stuff. There is no other theater. There is no other drama like a UFC event. I promise you that. A UFC pay-per-view event. There is nothing like it. Title fights. Just nothing like it. Anything could happen. It's it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. If there isn't another podcast for me for the rest of the year, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts. My DMs are always open on the Instagram. Happy holidays, everybody. Stay safe. I'm out of here. Doses. You've been listening to Coster's Cage with Dan Coster, bringing diehard fight fans together. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram at Coster's Cage. Welcome to the family, and we'll see you soon. See you.